The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Paul Allen. Here are the stories we're following today. Palestinian Authority says it's working with U.S. officials on a plan to run Gaza after the war. Let's get to Ed Baxter for the latest. Eddie. Yeah, that's right, Doug. It hopes Hamas will join as a junior partner. Palestinian Prime Minister Mohammed Shatea, in an exclusive Bloomberg interview, says Israel's goal of eliminating Hamas is not realistic. And so the plan would be... Israeli occupation to Gaza should not be allowed, one. Second, Gaza should not shrink in terms of territory, and Israel should not be allowed to annex certain areas that they might call buffer zones and so on. Third, there should not be any forced uh, transfer of Palestinians out of Gaza. Egypt has been cooperating very well, and also this is something that we we did not want to see in the same way that American administration did not want to see. And he says the best solution would be for Hamas to come under the umbrella of the PLO and help build an independent state. This while Benjamin Netanyahu and Vladimir Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin have held a lengthy talk today as tensions have mounted over Russia's ties with Iran. Netanyahu's statement says he strongly criticized the dangerous cooperation between Russia and Iran and expressed his displeasure with Moscow. Uh, Putin has criticized Israel's tactics in the war in Gaza. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Hamas just plainly has to give up. There's a gap between the intent and the, re- and the results, and that's the gap that we're trying to make sure is closed. Look, this could be over tomorrow. This could be over tomorrow. If Hamas got out of the way of civilians instead of hiding behind them, if it put down its weapons, if it surrendered. So pivoting to Ukraine, Blinken says uh, the move to pass Congress to get tank ammunition to Ukraine is critical. A small portion of what has been requested is going through on an emergency basis, that is, um, moving uh, moving quickly so that uh, Israel can have what it needs in hand, but virtually everything else uh, is going through the regular order, through Congress. Yeah, and uh, the White House has issued a statement saying the president has invited Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, to the White House for a meeting on Tuesday. It is crunch time at COP28 in Dubai, and uh, Sultan Al-Jabur, the uh, president of the conference and UAE special envoy for climate change, says there is some movement, but... There are still more areas of divergence than agreement. The window is closing to close the gaps. We are making progress, but not fast enough and not satisfying enough. Now, several U.S. senators are there. Senator Ed Markey says OPEC is working against getting an agreement on reducing greenhouse emissions. OPEC and the oil companies right now are trying to whitewash the... um, crisis that has been created by fossil fuels. Um, And U.S. companies are part of this as well. Now, Markey says uh, at at the very least, uh, they're working to water it down. Chinese and Philippine vessels have faced off in multiple clashes in the South China Sea over the weekend. A Philippines task force says its vessels were damaged after being directly targeted yesterday by a Chinese Coast Guard boat using a water cannon. 
Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. Eddie B., thank you. Well, this is going to be the first opportunity for markets in Asia to react to that U.S. jobs data from Friday. An unexpected strengthening in the month of November, an increase in non-farm payrolls of 199,000, that obviously above estimates. And it seemed to temper bets on Fed rate cuts. Former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers was saying the Fed should wait. He said the moment the Fed turns or announces it's going to turn is going to be a seismic moment. They probably need to be very deliberative and careful about getting to that point and waiting until they see some overwhelming evidence of inflation being locked in low or see some real evidence of the economy turning over. That is former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers. By the way, the Fed will meet this week. We'll have a decision on Wednesday. Officials are widely expected to hold the key policy rate steady. Paul? University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill and Board Chair Scott Bock resigned this weekend. This comes after congressional testimony where McGill declined to say that calling for the genocide of Jews always violates the school's code of conduct. Today, Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey and Governor Josh Shapiro joined local leaders in Philadelphia for a rally against anti-Semitism. Senator Casey said reports of anti-Semitic incidents have increased almost fourfold since the start of the war between Israel and Hamas, with many of the incidents reported on college campuses. Those of us who have the authority in, in this case, one legislative body, the United States Congress, or two, two houses of one Congress, is to get them the funds they need so they can fully investigate and prosecute these cases where there is a hostile environment on the campus. That's Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey there. With Liz McGill's resignation, the focus will turn to the presidents of Harvard and MIT, who were also criticized for their responses before a House committee last week. We are hearing Macy's has received a buyout offer worth $5.8 billion. This comes from two firms, the real estate investment firm Arc House Management and the global asset manager Brigade Capital Management. Now, the aim here is to take Macy's private. The company currently has a market cap of roughly... $4.7 billion. It was last month Macy's reported a decline in same-store sales of 7% for the third quarter, and so far this year, Macy's shares are down 16%. Paul? Health insurer Cigna is said to have walked away from talks to merge with rival Humana. The combination would have created a giant in the industry. We've got more from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. A source tells us Cigna is abandoning the discussions to combine in a cash-and-stock deal, and Cigna is committing an additional $10 billion to its own $1.3 billion stock buyback plan instead. Analysts had said a Cigna-Humana combination would have made sense. Cigna owns Express Scripts, one of the largest managers of pharmacy benefits, where Humana is a smaller player, and Humana plans to stop selling employer coverage, where Cigna is strongest. But despite potential synergies, Bloomberg Intelligence had said antitrust approval of a cigna Humana deal would have been tricky. Regulators blocked a Cigna Anthem merger and a Humana Aetna deal in recent years. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Radio. We go to China next, where the government is raising expectations for its ambitious goal on GDP for the next year. The story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. China's Politburo pledged to strengthen fiscal support at a meeting on Friday. It also introduced a new slogan, Use Progress to Promote Stability. 
The message supports economists' expectations for a growth goal of around 5% for next year. The Politburo also declared that monetary policy should be flexible, appropriate, targeted, and effective. One thing to note is the previous wording, forceful, was dropped from the statement. Economists say that change indicates more caution towards broad monetary easing and a greater focus on targeted tools. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Meanwhile, China's consumer prices fell at the steepest pace in three years. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has more. China's CPI fell half a percent last month from a year earlier. That's the biggest drop since November 2020. It's also weaker than a 0.2% drop projected by economists in a Bloomberg survey. Producer costs dropped even further into negative territory. It fell 3% compared with a forecast decline of 2.8%. China has struggled with falling prices much of this year. It has set an annual inflation target of around 3% this year, which it is nearly certain to miss. Bloomberg Economics expects deflationary risks to persist into 2024 due to a weak domestic demand. In Hong Kong, join Wong Bloomberg Radio. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. We talked a moment ago about the fact that we've got a Fed meeting in the week ahead. Let's preview the gathering with our own Steve Matthews, Bloomberg's economics reporter who joins us from Atlanta. Steve, I think we can agree that that uh, jobs data on Friday stronger than forecast. You combine that with what appears to be a moderation in consumer expectations for inflation. Where does this leave us in terms of Fed policy? Well, if, if you were inclined to, uh, to to do a victory dance, I mean, you could basically you know declare victory and say we're thrilled with how things are are going, but uh, you won't hear Chair Powell do that on uh, Wednesday. Uh, it, it's pretty clear that uh, the idea of a soft landing is taking hold. I mean, the Fed has been on the soft landing camp for uh, really since July, and, uh, and and a lot of Wall Street is as well. I, you know, as far as this meeting, it's clear they are going to do nothing in terms of rates. Uh, the big news will be in the dot plot of uh, the uh, projections for interest rates of the FOMC. And, you know, you have Wall Street, uh, you know, the, the, the pricing is for about 50 percent for uh, uh, the first rate cut in March. And it will be really interesting to see where the Fed is. The Fed will not be there uh, quite yet. I mean, in our survey of economists that, that came out today, uh, they're predicting that uh, the dots will show uh, two rate cuts, two quarter point rate cuts this year, which would be much stingier than, you know, the four or five that most of the folks on Wall Street are looking for. Yeah, I'm enjoying the imagery of a victory dance here. But but in terms of rate cuts, uh, it's all about perception, isn't it? Uh, that the Fed would really want to avoid being seen to endorse this market perception that easing is coming. Exactly. And, and, you know, uh, there is a good portion of the Fed that would agree uh, pretty much entirely with what Larry Summers was saying. I mean, these are folks that uh, that grew up in the 70s. 
Uh, you know, they understand the 70s experience with inflation. Uh, they want to be certain that uh, they have, you know, killed the inflation dragon uh, before b- b- before they are ready to kind of, you know, be done with it. And so, you know, they would prefer to keep rates higher for longer, wait a while in terms of actually cutting rates. And uh, I think the tone of Powell will be really interesting. That, that plus the dot plot are what people will be focused on. But, you know, I, I think uh, in his speech, December 1, in Atlanta at Spelman College, he said it was too soon to speculate on, on rate cuts. And I think you'll, you'll see him reiterate that this week. You used the term soft landing a moment ago, Steve, and I'm looking at the piece that you authored uh, for Bloomberg News with your colleague Rich Miller. The Fed starts to confront the next big question, why to cut rates? So if we don't get a soft landing and we get a mild recession instead, might that be the, the catalyst? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, that's the big difference on Wall Street. Most everybody on Wall Street expects rate cuts this year. And, in fact, the Fed does, too. Uh, but if you have uh, some kind of financial shock, uh, you have a, a decline in unemployment, in employment, a ro- big rise in, in unemployment. Uh, that that would be, you know, a catalyst for both near-term uh, cuts and perhaps uh, sharper cuts. And we haven't seen any sign of that yet. But uh, you know, that would be a, a really negative view for the economy and, and a really, you know, dangerous view. Uh, but, you know, what everyone is hoping for and most of the economists in our survey uh, predict is that you'll have something much more benign. And, and, and just the fact that inflation is coming down, when inflation comes down, you know, if you look at different economic models like the Taylor Rule, the John Taylor's creation, the Stanford professor, uh, they all suggest that when it, with inflation comes down, it's appropriate to cut rates. And that's what uh, Governor Chris Waller said uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and the markets got very excited about. And that would be, you know, the ideal course. Inflation's coming down. So therefore, based on these various monetary policy uh, benchmarks, it would be appropriate to cut rates. Yeah, well, the Fed will be heading into this meeting armed with the CPI uh, November numbers. And, uh, that number, though, seen accelerating a little, up a third of 1% on October. I hesitate to use the words, uh, but is that just going to be a transitory blip? Uh, yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, the headline number would be uh, that folks are forecasting is that no, there would be no change at all, essentially zero inflation because of declines in energy prices. Uh, core inflation, excluding food and energy, might tick up uh, a bit, but yeah, the the, the expectation is that uh, both uh, declining energy prices, that will feed into core inflation over some period of time. Housing prices are likely poised to uh, decline if you look at what's happening with apartment rents, plus uh, if you look at what's happening with, for example, used cars, used car prices, and we get, you know, various indexes, monthly, they are coming down. So that should also feed into core inflation over time. So yeah, if there is a tick up, the expectation would be that that would not necessarily last. But but as Powell has said, 
you know, they expect that it, the, the course to disinflation will be bumpy. It's not going to happen, you know, without some bumps along the way. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.